Welcome to Hort Culture, where a group of extension professionals and plant people talk about the business, production, and joy of planting seeds and helping them grow. Join us as we explore the culture of horticulture. What up? How's everybody doing today? Mm, greetings. Good. Living the dream. The sun is shining. It's winter time, and anytime the sun is shining in the winter, I feel like it's a pretty good day. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Can't complain about that. I can't, I'm trying to remember you said live in the dream, and I said something. I went to the doctors the other day, and what did I say to him? And he was very concerned for my mental health. I'll come up with it. <laughs> you, we need to know what well, that was that you said. All right. So I can not repeat it when they ask me how I'm doing. He was like, yes. that doesn't sound good. And I was like, no, no, no. It's great. I said, oh, oh, I remember it. I said, the horrors persist, but so do I. <laughs> I mean, that's not a red flag. That's oh not, not a red flag at all. Like, this is from like, like a Victorian journal. Yeah. Like, that like intense. Lovecraft. Good. And I was like, no, no, but like, so do I. And he was yeah. Like, you missed the second part. <laughs> so that's uh, great people that way these days. The horrors persist, but so do I. Alexis Lovecraft, <laughs> author and horticulturalist. <laughs> also, horror. horror is hard to say in a sentence I have found. It or, is you. It is. It's or, a tough or, one. Like rural juror. Yeah. Yes, mm, rural juror. For yeah. some reason, a lot of so a lot of the other podcasts I listen to have people from the Northeast, and they really struggle to say the word rural. Like they're they're like rural, rural, rural. <laughs> away. And the more you think about it, the worse it becomes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yes, absolutely. It's just the R's, man. The R's are hard. So this Hards. is a this is a ba- this is a bald boy episode. <laughs> What constitutes a bald boy episode exactly? It's their it's their wheelhouse. They're spitting spitting stats at us Bars. today. Mm. Bars. You got lots of numbers and things and programs and softwares and things. Mm-hmm. Calculations, spreadsheets. Ooh, calculations and spreadsheets. Yeah, I mean, that's exciting like, in the and I'm gone. Done. Don't worry. It'll be we fun. I promise. We just lost those folks that might have been listening. The horrors do persist, but so will you. Yeah, the next the numbers the, for the next forty minutes, we'll be describing pie charts to you. Um, so just close your eyes and imagine. How about let's Picture just drop, pizza, drop charts and just describe some pies. <laughs> drop and charts and describe some pies. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah. So we talk about some pies. We're talking about the the horticulture biz quiz, mm-hmm. which maybe it's helpful to start out just conceptually what we were trying to get at. So, Alexis Ray. Do you all as agents occasionally hear things from producers questions like, so I just got 10 acres uh, or I'm thinking about 10 acres getting them. What do I do to that? Yeah. In fact, that was the very first episode I believe that we ever did as a group on this podcast was, you know, just on that same topic. But yeah, yeah, that's a common question. And more than anything, they're just looking for a way to frame things or a way to think about things with some kind of structure. Mm-hmm. What should they be thinking about? I mean, I guess that's what it boils down for me is they're asking me what should they be thinking about at that point in time. That's a lot. A lot yeah, of, it's a very lot of regular question for us. Yeah, yeah, it's common. Yeah. So the another just quick question. Side note: Have you all noticed a lot of people moving into your counties from out of state more so than usual, more so than in the past? I have Hawaiians and New Yorkers and 
who else? Pennsylvania and several from California that a lot like lost their homes in their fi- in the fire, and so they mm. were like, "We're going to relocate to Kentucky." Let's and go to a place so, that has uh, water. Yeah, let's go somewhere yeah. that it doesn't, you know, burn. Uh, so yeah, I've got I've got a lot in, in my area, and I've got you know a small college uh, in our yeah. town, so I think that helps a little bit. But recently, in the past probably five years or so, we've had a lot of implants around Boyle County. I always notice when we have some, I mean, of course, we're a big horse industry county and, and that brings, you know, you know, folks traveling into and out of the county. The population stays fairly stable in the county that I am in. But yeah, I've noticed uh, a little bit of that. I don't know if it's just me becoming aware of that and becoming more sensitive when someone mentions that they're from out of town. But just last week, I talked to a couple of folks that were from out of town. And it's interesting what brought them to con- a couple factors, you know, family changes. Uh, daughter kind of grew up, went to college here in the States, and they moved from Texas um, to Kentucky. And then they had large farm operation out in Texas. But one of the motivations for uh, not doing that particular um, activity and more farming was uh, water rights uh, and some complications there or lack of access to water. But, yeah, there's lots of different reasons why people move around. But I do see that even in even in the county I'm in. Yeah, I've noticed that over the last few years, like at conferences and other things, just and then you know maybe it's a confirmation bias or I'm paying attention more, but I, I have noticed that. And it, it, the reason I even mention it is not uh, for any sort of nativistic uh, rabble rousing about all these people <laughs> coming in or anything like that. It, it's because we try to remain aware of the types of audiences that we serve mm-hmm. through the the Center for Crop Diversification. And the ways that the horticulture folks or the diversified people or people maybe who are interested in certified organic or something along those lines, they're, they're kind of a different crew than, than others. Um, and their interests are different. And I think this, this, a lot of these folks who are coming in from other places, uh, particularly jive with some of the things that we, we offer. And so the, the CCD, just as a little back, brief backstory, the CCD was started under a very different name, New Crop Opportunity Center, back in 2000 after the um, the uh, uh, tobacco, uh, tobacco settlement. settlement. Thank you. And the, the goal was partially to provide some quick hitting resources, publications and other types of resources for people who were realizing they weren't going to be doing tobacco as much as they were in the past to transition to other, potentially to other enterprises. It hasn't exactly worked out precisely in that way, but we did happen to have this big suite of publications that we've kept up to date over the last two and almost two and a half decades. And that wasn't me. I've only been around the the CCD since 2015, but it provided a really rich database for us to use to build this little tool that use, does essentially the same thing I just said, which is to take all of the potential horticulture operations and options and provide, like you said, Ray, some structure to considering them, weighing them, and evaluating your own strengths and weaknesses in light of those things. So that was the grand ambition of the Hort Biz Quiz. In reality, it's a pretty humble little tool that I think has been really useful to a number of people. And it essentially asks in a, uh, I, I describe it as a less cool, um, but similar to the BuzzFeed quiz that asks you, you know, what what Thanksgiving food is your personality type? Uh, like those types <laughs> of things. Quiz. They ask you questions about yourself. They something out on the back end, a, a, qu- a quizzical or a quiz, quiz, 
entertainment, quizertainment. I don't know what it's called. So but the questions, do they kind of direct people's thinking? Is that what kind of your, exactly. uh, as people feel this out, is that kind of going to direct them and give them a things that they should be thinking about sort of thing? Yeah. Yeah. That, that yeah. was the idea yeah. was that we would, we would awesome. structure the questions to guide their thinking through. And importantly, at the end, spit out some recommendations of a few crops you might want to think about a few crops you probably want to avoid. So for example, for example, if you don't have any access to any labor, please don't put out five or 10 acres of tomatoes. If and you it's have surprising very surprising how often that happens. I mean, yeah. that seems like a, a simple straightforward um, statement not to do that, but it is absolutely incredible how many times that we work with folks. And some of that is just because they've never done it before. And it's hard to conceptualize how much labor you need, but yeah, that's a big one. It's a big one. Or, or like people who want, they want to grow watermelons in their high tunnels. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's, spoiler alert watermelons generally i mean you can't you can you can do anything right you can plant anything <laughs> don't tell me what i can do you can do but, anything once you know the, the that's a, that's an example of a crop that grows really really large amounts of foliage to support relatively to support the amount of fruit that comes off of it so that's more suited to someone who has expansive land available for example so josh maybe you can josh has spent more time with the actual data coming out of it, I had originally, uh, Christy, Christy Cassidy and I had pulled together the original tool and have had it out there floating. And now we're four years in Josh, maybe you want to talk a little bit about the structure and like the, the different categories of land and all land labor capital, all that kind of stuff. And just share some of the things we've seen from it. Yeah. I mean, essentially like Brett said, you answer these questions about uh, your the availability of capital you have to invest in a horticultural enterprise, um, how much space you have, uh, and how much access to labor you have. And through that, it gives you some recommendations for things to consider and avoid. And those boundaries for whether or not somebody uh, has access to enough capital, for example, is... Uh, if they have more than $5,000 to invest, they would be considered to have access to, they, they are a yes to the answer of access to capital. If they have more than an acre to dedicate to a horticultural enterprise, then yes, land is not a something that they're limited by. Uh, and labor, uh, that was a little bit more difficult. Uh, basically, there's categories of how would they characterize it? Uh, beyond how would how much labor do they have beyond what they can provide themselves there's you know three answers a little a moderate amount or a lot anybody who answered a moderate amount or a lot is said to have access to labor Uh, and from that and as brett said you know this uh this quiz has been running uh up and running and collecting responses for uh, over four years at this point, um, started August 1st, 2018. And so at the end of July, uh, 2023 is when, uh, we pulled the data and started kind of analyzing it a little bit to see, uh, what patterns exist and things like that. And also had kind of uncovered a way because people have participated in this quiz from all over the world. We have answers from as far away as, you know, China or Afghanistan. And uh, it wasn't exactly clear that we could um, kind of geographically assign where these answers were coming from easily, but uncovered a way to do that, to kind of 
just be able to develop categories for people who are answering from probably from within Kentucky, probably from within our region, probably from within the U.S., and then the kind of global data set. And to just to throw out some numbers, you know, in that four-year period, the from the global answers, there's almost a thousand responses. It's like 942. Uh, from Kentucky alone, we have just under, um, or uh, sorry, just over 400. So most of the answers in general, or, or just a large portion of them are coming from Kentucky or from within the region, we decided that that would be Kentucky as well as all the states that Kentucky touches. Mm-hmm. And so that 61% of all responses were those people in that group. Uh, so it's very much uh, kind of oriented to this group. And just yeah, to, uh, just to be, to be cl- clear, the main reason we put it into effect was to use it as a tool for people to figure out where they fit and, and make decisions. Um, just like right. the price reports that we do, we don't, we weren't thinking of it as data set first. We were thinking of it as useful tool first. And so if you're a producer and you're interested in this, you go and you click the link, you spend two to three minutes and you get an answer and that's it. It's so a lot of this right. more like the categories and stuff is interesting and cool for us to, to talk about. And we will continue, we'll talk more about it, but that that's one thing. And the other thing I, I just emphasize again, that I didn't do a very good job with earlier is just essentially it's, it's investigating whether you have land, labor, and capital. These are three right. important pieces of any any enterprise of any sort uh, that, that's going to that's sort of the hand. big puzzle pieces. Yeah. And, and, and maybe someone hasn't thought about it in those terms. And even that has value, even starting to think about things, the big puzzle pieces in those terms. Yeah. Yeah. And the other, the other component is it doesn't in any way, and it's not meant to, but it doesn't in any way, uh, ask or can, well, it kind of asks whether you've looked at it or not, but it doesn't, provide any guidance on whether or not there actually is a market for the product that you're interested in growing. Mm. Mm-hmm. So if you want to grow broom corn oh. and you want to grow, you know, 500 acres of broom corn, well that you may have the land and the labor and the capital to be able to do that, but you, where are you going to sell that much broom corn? That's so that there is a different program or different publication, different, different thing. And there is a question that asks you whether you oh, yeah. considered it or whether you've considered your market or not. Um, but, but ultimately it's not one of the main variables, but yeah, but, um, yeah, it's I think been, I, of, I'm, I'm kind of curious what you all, your all's experience has been with it. I think one of the most beneficial things. So, you know, people are coming to us to ask these questions. And so we start, you know, if, if, if before the biz Hort biz quiz, we were the biz quiz, right. As agents, yeah. people would come in and say, you know, what do I do? And I said, well, what kind of, how much land you got? We'd ask all these questions. And I think the Hort biz quiz did a good job of making those questions easier and simplifying them. Like and, a first and getting, contact kind of. Thing. Yeah. And it, so when I get those questions, I, that's the first thing I send them to because what I tell people and, you know, I kind of walk them through. Sometimes we do it on the phone. Like they're on the phone doing it. We do it together. Or they come in and we do it together. But like you said, it makes them think about all of these things. But then when they get the answers, if it's, you know, something they had already thought of, then great. Like it's kind of an automatic, like this is what we should be doing. And then we start talking about the market, about a soil test, about all that kind of stuff. Uh, sometimes like it's getting just their op- buckets in place. Yeah. Like it know, opens like, up here's doors. Here's the buckets we're going to talk about. Right. They never thought about. And sometimes it's like, 
it gives them kind of a rude awakening a little bit like a you know like, well i've taken least, yeah. i've had people call me and they're like i've taken it three times and i i've not gotten what i thought i what i wanted to do and i'm like well you can do whatever you want to do like by all means um we will help you with that Here's but gonna like, be the challenges maybe this is a sign from the universe right so <laughs> a little bit and i think it's just really I, i'm such a big fan of, of it and i spit it to everybody that i can that is just if any even if you don't get the answers you want it i think it makes you think about those different areas to start that are important it's a wow it's we, a, we, it we, we couldn't have paid for an thing. endorsement that good yeah. Yeah, really. Yeah, right. Not have paid for a I mean, better endorsement. <laughs> some of the toughest contacts in on a county level in a field kind of perspective is that first contact. And you know, and some people come to us with all sorts of different experiences. Some people have a lot of experience and and then there's some of those folks that don't have any experience and that's the ones I think tools like this can help us as field agents but also help mm -hmm. us help others. Yeah. So it it is a, a good tool and it's one that I recommend. A lot. So if you're if you're new or, or you know you want to start even if you're not new to farming but you want to start a new en enterprise like you can still use this even if you are already growing experience, watermelons yeah. and you're like what else could I maybe do you know and it, it's just we'll get you thinking and it's a good thing to take in you know to your local extension office is just be like this is what I came up with um, I love that when people bring me that printout or that list. And then I can go through with my experience on growing each of those and be like, well, you know, you, you mentioned to me earlier that you didn't really love, you know, bending over to pick stuff. So either you're going to have to invest in a bean picker or maybe we'll go with the second thing on your list, which is, you know, apples, you know, or, or whatever that is. And so you can just dive in deeper, I think, a lot faster uh, with the biz quiz. I don't know. I'm just I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of it. I tell everybody about it. So you're welcome for those numbers. Thank you. Thank you for that. No, that, I mean, that was one of the things that we're, cause we, you know, it, it, this is a little bit of the reflection on extension, but Josh and I work at the campus level. So in theory, we're supporting out in the state. And I've always said my primary audience or my primary clientele are agents because there are eight in Kentucky, we have agents in every County. And so the things that we can do to help them, in their job of supporting other people, that was kind of the main goal. And so one of the mm -hmm. things that it spits out in, in the, you know, you got a lot of labor, consider growing these stuff, this, these things. One of the things it says is here is how you find your County agents contact information. You can print this out, take it to them. Mm -hmm. And, and it helps with, the, it also helps with the awkward conversation of ha asking them how much money they want to put into something, you know, yeah, that, right. like, okay. And, and it puts a little bit of boundaries on like, what is a lot of money? That's something I struggle yeah. with in a lot of things where people be like, oh, that thing was really expensive. And I'm like, so was it like $100 or like $100,000? Because I have yeah. no idea what you're talking about. It could be either. Because, yeah. uh, right. you know, you're not and you know, you mentioned that Ray with being like not familiar with with this. And so, um, yeah, Josh, Josh came up with some he's like I said, he's been doing some some analytics stuff with, with some of this and uh, came up with kind of these different categories. Mm -hmm. Do we, do we want to talk about the categories first or do we want to go and maybe just click through the report and I can kind of read the questions and, and answer to kind of give a sense. I feel like reading the questions first would help frame the categories. Yeah. Perfect. That was, 
what I was hoping you would say. I was... <laughs> you, you led us into that. Well, confirmation received. <laughs> well framed question. Yes. So the the you can you can find this. It's just on our. It's right on the homepage of the Center for Crop Diversification. Right at the top. It's the uh, uky.edu/ccd, and there's a graphic at the very top that's kind of got some clip arty stuff, and it says "Take the Hort Biz Quiz," and I clicked on that, and it opens up a thing that says. Hello, welcome, CCD, Hort Council, UK, etc. And so you click, go ahead and click through, and it'll ask you what county you're in. It'll ask if you're currently, are you growing horticultural crops at present? And so you could say yes or no on that. Um, asks you what horticulture crops do you grow? If you if you answer no, then it won't show you that. But and then do you want to grow horticulture crops as part of a business? And in, in other words, to make money. That's a question that we don't, we, we end up answering it and talking about it in an extension a lot, but -hmm. it's something that I bring up in a lot of my, when I go out and talk to people, because even at a farmer's market, there are people who are at that market, not because they want to sell, because they want to make money. It's because they want to have something to do. You know, Mm -hmm. it's almost like a retirement hobby thing. And I I think that that, that has a lot, plays a lot sometimes in, in our pricing issues that people don't price things enough high enough mm-hmm. because their goal, or they might have a, a more of a missional goal where they're trying to get more fresh produce into their community through this mechanism. And so they're not trying to make money or do it as part of a business. And that's great. We have, we are, we are in the business of supporting everyone, regardless of what their goals are, but there's a lot of confusion and heartache and other things that come with not admitting from the get go that I don't really care about making money or I do care about making money. And so I'm going to need to make some more ruthless decisions than maybe mm-hmm. I would like to. So anyway, that's, that's the spirit of that question. And then let's see, how would you rate your current knowledge of growing horticultural crops? This is all kind of background information. And so the way that I clicked it through there saying, I'm, I don't know, I don't have any interest. I don't really want to sell or anything like that. It spits out an answer that says it appears you may not be ready to grow horticultural crops for sale. <laughs> So let's and that's good to know and, because some hort crops are a bit more complicated than others and very unforgiving. Yep. Yes. Because if you don't have any experience growing stuff, then there's no point in going beyond that because you're, you're going to you're going to be depending on producing a, a result that you've literally never produced before. Right. So, so if, I, if I get to scale, it, yeah, tr- just try something go, like a, yeah. You can go back and change your answers to see, you know, within the session to see if, if, you know, you mess something up or whatever. So, um, I went back and changed my experience level and said I was a more advanced grower. Do I have a specific crop in mind? Do you have a specific market in mind for your enterprise? Uh, what market do you have in mind? How much capital do you have to commit to this enterprise? So this is what we're getting mm-hmm. to what Josh was saying, where the, this is where the categorizations really starts. Mm-hmm. And that is none, $1 to $5,000, $5,001 to $10,000. So, so more than 5,000, but less than 10,000. 10 to 15,000 or more than $15,000. And at this point, Josh, you're saying, we, we, we are saying that there, there's basically two categories. There's people who have less than $5,000 or people who have more than $5,000. And in that case, we're considering the less than $5,000 to be a little bit more capital constrained and the more than 5,000 to, to, to have access to some capital to really think about some of the more capital intensive uh, ventures. Yeah. Yeah. So that's one. So that's, you know, do you have capital? Yes, sir. We, we take, we take this more, you know, uh, subtle gradations of money and we turn it into a, yes, you've got a decent amount of capital or no, you don't, you know, you don't, that's not a strength in your current portfolio is having mm-hmm. a lot of money to put toward this. 
So that's one. Um, so I'm going to say for this one here that I have five to ten thousand uh, dollars. It seems like you have access to some capital of the following, which most closely describes your access to land. I have no plans to own or lease land. I'm planning to lease or purchase land. I'm currently leasing or I currently own. So I'm going to say that I currently own land and I currently and it says, how much land do you have? Uh, and the answer here being one to I'm going to say one to five acres, but it's less than one acre, one to five or more than five for horticulture in Kentucky. Five acres of anything is a pretty good amount. Mm-hmm. Would you all agree with that? Oh, yes. yeah. hundred percent. I mean, I think it's a lot anywhere. It just depends on <laughs> what, what the other <laughs> yeah. are yeah. Yeah. scale. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then that, then it takes me to this thing that says, okay, so I indicated that I had some capital. I had more than $5,000 in, in my case, and I have access to some, but, and I do or will have access to land. So then it asks me, how much labor do I have? And I say, okay, I have a lot. I have a moderate amount or I have a little to none. And this is beside, it says, how much labor can you access besides yourself? So I'm going to say for me, I have a moderate amount of labor. And I click through and okay, now I've come to my results page here. Now, my results page is suggesting to me that I, I have access to, to capital, I have access to land, and I have access to labor. And then it gives a little blurb here. Having access to capital means you may be able to invest in equipment, branding, and marketing, and other startup costs. Land access, whether through rent or through ownership, is a huge advantage. And generally, horticulture operations don't require massive amounts of land, but having some is a really good start. There's no getting around it. Horticulture crops are labor-intensive, though. Since you have access to at least some labor, you have an advantage as you start your operation. Don't forget to account for the costs to pay that labor, especially if you are limited in starting capital. And so it has your next steps where you can print or screenshot your results. And then it also, there's a little bit of additional resources page, but it says here, this is where it would say typical you know, types of crops. It's saying, because you have everything, basically, you're the one of the lucky ones. You're in a position to grow anything that you have the market to support. And since you're planning to sell your crops, it's imperative you identify your markets before you plant, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If I had answered anything differently to any of those, like for instance, if I had said that I didn't have access to labor, it would give me some things based on I have capital, I have land, maybe something like watermelons or something like butternut squash or something like that. So anyway, you could just see, you can go through and answer questions and um, get this little kind of pithy answer spit out at the end and it will help guide the conversation. So Josh, you, you want to maybe go in a little bit to the, some of the archetypes or the, the different considerations and maybe throw out a couple of them and we can see, think about crops that maybe we would suggest or not suggest or something like that. You mean as far as like what the breakdown kind of, of responses are or just, uh... yeah, I think so. Yeah. Like, okay. like, uh, if you have Kentucky numbers handy, uh, let's see these ones that I'm looking at. Yeah. Yeah. Let me, let me pull those up. Um, but, but more or less, even the global numbers, numbers are heavily skewed towards Kentucky, but, and, and they, I won't, I will say that across the board, wherever they are, they follow the same kind of patterns, um, mm-hmm. or they're very similar. Uh, like Kentucky isn't wildly different than the, you know, kind of U S responses, but like for, for example, the one that you just gave somebody who's unconstrained by capital land or labor, uh, that represented, uh, 20% of all Kentucky responses. So 20% of people have land labor have labor and, and some and, capital. Yeah. Wow, that's, that sounds pretty good. Pretty good so far. 20%. 
that seems significant. Yeah, the uh, like the the largest group of or archetype uh, were the ones that uh, are capital constrained and labor constrained, mm-hmm. but not land constrained. They have at yeah. least an acre, but they don't have any labor besides themselves. And they're they're operating with less than five thousand dollars in investment capital. What was the percent of that? Uh, a quarter of all responses. Wow. Yeah. That. I mean. That. And that checks out in my experience. Yeah. That because that because that's the that's sort of the unspoken background of I just bought ten acres or I have ten acres. What do I do now? Mm-hmm. Well, I also don't have any money and I don't have any labor. So what do I do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. In my mind, when I talk to folks in that category, it's sort of the way I look at it. In my mind. Uh, as I click through the conversation that I'm having with, with whoever at that time is they're aspirational, but they're also transitional because usually when someone is in that situation, I'll I'll say, well, don't make any drastic life changes. It may be that you try this out since you do have some resources, you can try out things, realizing what, you know, the limiting factors are and maybe slowly scale up or slowly ramp up. And that's sort of how I handle that. And we kind of talk about that rather than jumping in with huge risks uh, because you have land resources, for in, for instance. I mean, that's pretty exciting to some folks. And it's pretty exciting to me if you have land resources. But the other two factors are really important also. If you don't have a lot of capital to lose, it obviously may change how you look at risk. So you kind of go into things. You, certain enterprises just aren't appropriate. Maybe green beans are something that's fairly cheap to get into and you can make some profit f- from and learn the business. I mean, yeah, it really guides me, you know, these answers and these categories do in my mind. Mm. And, the, and right on their heels, uh, the other group that's j- almost as big, say 24% um, in the, the Kentucky responses is the ones that have land and have some access to labor, but are capital constrained. Mm. Yeah. Well, I think in you know in in both of those cases, we everybody always kind of wants to get started as soon as possible, or they want it, they get this itch to start. And I I get that myself. I I get excited excited about stuff, and usually if, if this is your second career, or if this is your your um, family's home place, and you want to turn it into doing something different, or what whatever the reason is, it's often very exciting. I think in both of those both of those cases would benefit enormously from doing some business planning, exploratory business planning and market exploration. And I think in the meantime, you could be doing some of the techniques and approaches like we've talked about things like cover cropping or things like soil testing and get a set, getting a sense of what the land is and what it can be used for. Maybe trying your hand if you depending on how much experience you have, you if you haven't grown there, there is a, you know, there is a difference between growing 10 tomato plants and a thousand tomato plants. Uh, there's a difference between growing 10 tomato plants, a thousand tomato plants and two acres of tomatoes. It, it, there, there really is a, a growing pain. There are growing pains associated with those things. And so that that's where some of the, the bridge markets, things like a farmer's market or things like a local grocer, local, some other kind of that, that type of output, or maybe doing some canning or something like that can be useful as you start to build the skills and don't get into such a rush to make money. Cause if, if you bought the land and you say, I got to make money off of this because I bought the land. Well, that means you made a bad decision in terms of your business planning. If you don't know how you're going to make money off the land and you bought it in, in this case. And I mean, I'm not, you know, we'll work with you and, and help, but 
in general, if you're in a situation where you're just kind of, you have the land, you have access to it, maybe you don't have the capital yet, thinking about saving, thinking about business planning, does that sound like a reasonable recommendation for you all, from you all, from your all's perspective? Any other? I think there's a lot of research to be done and like, not, I'm, I'm a, I tend to be a pull the trigger kind of person. I mean, I like to do a lot of, a lot of research, but I think that there's, there's, you can, you can, I forget there's a saying about it, but like, you, you know, you can scare yourself by collecting too much information. So at some point, you got to you got to do something right yeah. and i think that that something could be cover cropping or um, making connections in the market uh, seeing what where you're going to sell so sometimes doing something is is not even yet to the actual growing of the product yet which is nice for people like me who just like want to do something you can mm-hmm. do something productive and that will yield help you in the future without having to like jump in and be like, uh, I've only ever grown, you know, 15 tomato plants, but I just put out a thousand and I have no tractor and I, you know, no market, no yeah. market. Yeah. Right. Not that you have to have a tractor, no but storage space, no storage. Space. <laughs> yeah. I don't have a cooler. I don't have, so there's spend some time doing that research. And if you're the kind of person who wants to do something, um, remind yourself that that research is something. Uh, and then, you know, if you just need to put some seeds out, put out some cover crop or, you know, make connections with your neighbor who has, uh, you know, a nice tiller if you're going to till uh, or, you know, who, where are you going to get your compost from if you're going to do, you know, no till. A lot of the that can be done in the first year or so. And then you just kind of save in order to to move forward in year two and year three and and pivot, you know, if it's not working for you. Um, I think a lot of farmers, I've said this before, are not doing what they were doing in even year three. They're not doing in year five. Um, because they're fine tuning it based on their market, based on what they enjoy doing. Uh, as Brett always reminds me, right? This is about also the joy of growing. And so, <laughs> and I'm grateful for him for reminding me. But that guy sounds like in, he sounds God, like he's so annoying. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but what you enjoy doing and what you enjoy growing. So just, you know, kind of give yourself a little bit of freedom to do that, but uh, with a business plan in place and those people like K-Card that we've talked to, you know, you can be doing something without actually, you know, putting pedal to the metal kind of thing. Sometimes it's better to just dip your toe in rather than jump in not knowing how deep the water is. Uh, and that's that's hard to do. It's hard to throttle back. And I've seen scenarios in both kind of folks that have jumped in and and survived and and did okay and those that uh, did that and they had such a bad experience that they did not continue uh with whatever they were doing in farming or producing whatever and that's a kind of a sad scenario you know money was lost and some stress was developed uh and that's what we're trying to avoid is uh you know making smart decisions smart moves and uh, that's kind of what it's all about yeah, just real briefly before we get back to some of the other um, stuff with the the biz quiz, something Alexis was talking about where, it, you know, she said it, it's it's a casual thing to her now because of her experience, but that idea of talking to your potential customers and markets, mm-hmm. I think that's one of the one of the more like it sounds really straightforward and simple, and in many ways it is, but it's something that people don't often don't do, and and it's so scary. then they'll they will build things based on an assumption that a market is going to be there. Like an example would be, Oh, there's all these local breweries. So I know there's going to be a demand for hops. 
So I'm just going to grow hops. And then when I have the hops, I'll call the breweries and let them know. Well, you talk to the breweries and you realize actually they have very little use for fresh hops. And if you're not able to dry them and pelletize them or turn them into cakes and market them at a significantly competitive price with the Yakima Valley, which has a competitive advantage on growing the things in the first place and economies of scale, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Turns out it's really, really challenging to market hops, even though they grow like weeds and there mm-hmm. are a lot of local breweries, the assumption that the market will be there can be a, I mean, it's going to, it can be a really devastating thing. Similar kind of thing with the, uh, apples you know oh i have apples i assume i can just take them to a cidery and have them turn it into cider and and sell it to people i don't know why all my examples are booze maybe it's the <laughs> holiday season it's a, theme here, Brett. It's a, a holiday really season. strong thing but in reality a lot of the a lot of the high-end cideries are using non-dessert apples so they're using cider specific apples and the mm. ones that are using regular dessert apples like an eating apple they may do that once a year it's not really a reliable thing and in other words, you have this kind of these these leaps of logic between perceiving something happening in the world and there must be a market for this. Uh, and it, sometimes there is. Sometimes it is. There are opportunities and the naysayers and like like me who are just trying to help people avoid heartache uh, can, you know, shut conversations down too early. And so don't don't take for granted that the local brewery won't buy your hops, but you got to go talk to them and make sure that they will mm-hmm. and and figure that out as, as part of that conversation. That's just the setting up the markets thing that was mentioned in the biz quiz and Alexis mentioned it. I just wanted to touch on, but, um, so Josh, I'm kind of curious, any other insights or or things that that jumped out or that you wanted to share from the data? Yeah. Something that stood out to me as I was starting to put it together is that, and I mean, you know, with a lot of data analysis, it's like an answer comes to you and you're like, Oh, well, Duh, I guess. Like I should have noticed <laughs> this. Um, but one of the things that stood out to me as I was putting it together is that, you know, most people, the the overwhelming majority, and by that I mean, let's see, about 50, 70, about 90% of the responses, access to land, access to at least one acre wasn't a problem. Hmm. Like land access hmm. not being yeah. a significant obstacle hmm. in engaging in horticultural production. That's good because without that, maybe severely limited. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, and uh, I remember seeing some of the groups are really tiny, like people who, you know, they have less than an acre to work with um, and not much labor, but they have plenty of money. That's less than a half a percent of the answers fit into that kind of category. Yeah. It makes me wonder too. So we, you know, I think get to give some context to what you're saying, I think with groups like the Young Farmers Coalition and anybody thinking about transition and sustainable agriculture, access to land, if you don't have it in your family, is a major, major issue for a lot of those groups. Big time. But I've always kind of wondered, you know, because a lot of those movements, conversations, all of that, it happens at a national level. And it happens mm-hmm. in places where the the land market is frankly more competitive than it is in the state of Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Right. And so like, I don't know if we're, if we are, you know, on one end of that's based on these data, it seems like, you know, we're, we're at one end of a spectrum as compared to somebody trying to purchase something in the central Valley, California, or somebody trying to maybe get some good flat non-flooding land in Florida or something. Right. 
I don't I mean, know. That, that is interesting, though. Yeah, it's and I mean, you know, the responses are people who are interested in engaging in horticultural production. Like they already right. have that going for them, so they're probably going to be people who are at least somewhat um, associated or connected to agricultural production in some way. And right. one acre is not very much. It's, yeah, it, you know, Accessible. even in the <laughs> like a on a the mini episode Brett and I talk about. Um, uh, I I spent some time in Japan, but I mean so much to say that the average farm size is i think globally somewhere around two acres mm-hmm. you know uh, it, it's the some our large farm size is not necessarily our average large farm size in the u.s or even in kentucky are not necessarily representative of kind of farms in general uh, mm-hmm. that a lot yeah, of these crops Kentucky's- can be grown Kentucky's considered, you know, small, small, one of the small farm capital, you know, states, and it's like mm-hmm. 140, I think, ish. Yeah, is the I think new, currently new it's average. like 160, and like U.S. is around 500 acres. It's yeah. so, it, it, I, I understand, and, you know, we're talking about horticulture here, obviously, it's the hort biz quiz and stuff like that, but, you know, what is the average of horticulture farms? I think obviously right. in California and Florida and places like that, you, you know, you're, you are dealing with hundreds of acres of, you know, cabbages. And all, <laughs> right. all Seems all like even in you'd have to know what the thing about horticulture. It's amazing to me. I've never been able to get at that. And that's an awesome question. Alexis is that even in hort, you have to break it down per crop. What's the average size of strawberry farm? What's the average size of tomato mm-hmm. farm? It's so specialized. You can't just look at it as a monoculture like corn. What's the average, you know, field corn, and, you know, field And you, it's so intensive too. I mean, mm-hmm. that's the other thing yes, to keep in absolutely. mind that, you know, you can make the same amount of money. I'm, I'm just spitting right now. Just, But you can make a lot of money <laughs> off an acre of tomatoes that you, it yeah. may take 10 acres of corn to do. You know, there's, again, the economy mm. of scale, all that kind of thing. And there's a lot more labor involved. But yeah. but there's right, also- like five acres of greenhouse production. Right. right? But, yeah. and then also thinking <laughs> about- is different, yeah. What, what you're going back to what your market is today, for some reason, like markets have just been hitting me from like all different sides and different conversations. But, you know, what is your market? If you want, if you want to do wholesale and go back to, okay, this is what it told me I should grow based on, you know, what I have access to, I'm going to grow watermelons. You know, do you want to grow watermelons for Walmart or do you want to grow watermelons for the farmer's market? And what is your personality as far as how many people you want to talk to? What do you enjoy doing? Do you work a full-time job? Like there's so many social aspects that I think come into that. And then deciding, okay, I'd rather do wholesale. So an acre of watermelons might not cut it if you're going to do large-scale wholesale. Uh, And so that also I think comes into play and like not to add all those millions of things up, but that's the purpose of the Hort Biz Quiz is to kind of get yeah. you to some point so that it makes it easier to have those other conversations about your market and your personal yeah. needs yeah. and wants. And that's an important thing. And, you know, we had talked about it earlier that the recommendations or the, the recommendations to engage in or avoid aren't necessarily written in stone and that it's just teaching or, you know, advising you to a potential grower to consider what might be a struggle, what might be something they have to plan around. You know, if you really have your heart set on something that has a labor intensive harvest, then is a you pick 
or ag tourism angle a way to get into it right like it's just encouraging you to think this is going to be an obstacle for you so you have to figure out a way around it yeah it's more of i like that i like the word encouragement josh cuz it just like points out where you could have some problems and like things to work on you know ahead of time i love mm-hmm. i love that word i when i started like flower farming before i was really flower farming i was doing like just florist work uh, and the beauty of florist work is that you get paid before you do the work, right? You get paid and and so you can, (laughs) you don't have any really inputs. Like, yeah, when you get started, you may have to buy some vases and stuff, but a lot of that, you know, you can charge that person. Um, And then ghost them. And then or no, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we but, but, Adios. Yeah. but it was in the biz quiz, ghosting. <laughs> ghosting was not in the biz quiz. But it, it what it did was, you know, it paid for itself, right? Like everything I put in, it was already paid for like instantly. And so like it's I almost like a CSA. Kind of, exactly. Like a yeah. CSA. So you're able to have that money, save that money to put towards something else. Now I was working another job, you know, I had privileges in that way, but something along those lines like a CSA. Now, granted, don't go run a CSA if you've never grown a tomato oh, before, yeah. for the love of God. It's a high <laughs> operational and operational and production and marketing complexity is why. Yeah, that's- All the complexities. Yeah, we, <laughs> we, you know what? We should do a whole episode on just like CSAs. Have we done that yet? And just like so. the complexities of CSAs. That'd be good. It'd they be, can we'd be, be coming up on sign up season too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they, they're- phenomenal and awesome um but they like we should just do a pros and cons of csas like yeah i'm a, I'm a csa member yeah well so. and just uh, fleshing out anymore uh look at biz quiz what it's doing to us it's even stimulating conversation here on this podcast but uh even what what is a csa because there's so many different kind yeah. of uh, oh, variations of CSA. question mm-hmm. yeah, yeah I, i'm i used to think i knew what a csa was but there's so many i mean the spirit is there but the the letter the specifics of CSAs are so different now. And well, we've got, I would we've love got to do a con- podcast on that. We've got some connections with uh, the, the National CSA Innovation Network. And I think Ooh. they have a relatively new executive director that I, I don't know why I said I think. I just met her uh, at a conference. <laughs> and so maybe we can see if they if uh, if she would want to join us, maybe that to talk awesome. about CSA as a champion. I would be interested in champion. that for- yeah. Love it. Love it. For so selfish reasons. Anything yeah. else? I mean, if we haven't convinced you yet to go take the biz quiz, if you're not sure, you know, if you're looking into having a bit horticulture business of some kind. I just have a question for Brett and Josh real quick. Alexis and I may have a different perspective because obviously people in front of us, when they're if they're taking it and we know that they've taken it and we're working with them. But you guys, as you're working with uh, agents mostly, it sounds like, Brett and Josh, uh, what's the next step beyond once you get some information from BizQuiz? I mean, like, is there a logical next tool or next publication or next thing that you usually step agents into or step producers into beyond BizQuiz? Yes. So I think one of the things that we have that we, we talked about on that very first episode and we used it as a structure there, but it's this what to think about before you plant. And it's to, to Alexis's point about how in some some cases you do, in fact, get paid before you even do the thing. And a lot of farming stuff, if you don't have a relationships set up and you haven't figured out what the markets are going to look like, you you are literally putting something in the ground with on the with the, the hope. I guess that it will sell somewhere. (laughs) And so the the ideal situation is you have something sold before you even put it in the ground. And all you got to do is make sure it gets from uh, a seed to product and get it out there and and go. 
not always exactly possible, but projections and planning and, and all that kind of stuff is is good. So that that's one publication we always recommend going to immediately after that. If there are crops that are suggested to you by your output, you can go and check out the crop profiles from the Center for Crop Diversification. You can also just go and look for if any of those spark strike your fancy, or if you're able to see maybe a pattern. So for instance, if if uh, you the recommendation that comes out to you is watermelons and winter squash, well, you might also check out things like cantaloupe or things like other mm-hmm. types of melons or other types of, you know, expansive cucurbits of some sort that have a bulk harvest this season that's pretty short. But um, go and explore those different crop profiles. It doesn't have to be just the Center for Crop Diversification. There's other things within Extension, both in the horticulture department at UK, but also in other horticulture departments and, and places like that. That's another place to, I think, go and explore afterward. I think in general, to me, the, the crop selection is important, but the I, I know we've hammered it, but the marketing and market stuff is where we see people struggle the most because we have happen to have a climate that... Yes, it, uh, we have some disease pressure and weeds love it here. But in general, it's a pretty good place to grow stuff. Uh, and so you, you're, you're likely going to be able to figure out how to grow it. Marketing it is the thing that I, I, people really, really struggle with. And so that, that's just that thing I would spend some time on there. But I, and, and reach out to your county agent. I mean, that, that's it's in the BizQuiz output. It really is a, a great reference. I mean, uh, it really are, is a great resource that's available to you. Uh, but those, I mean, those are the, as far as to the, to the producers. Um, but I think to your point too, Ray, and this is something maybe Josh, you have some thoughts on this too. It, it tells us a little bit about what types of resources we need to be thinking about developing, uh, trainings mm-hmm. or guides or future publications. If we have, if, if land access isn't overly an issue for a lot of our horticulture producers, but labor and capital are, or capital is, then that means we need to be thinking about developing things either about borrowing, because if you need to borrow money to start, that might be the thing you need to do. And the other thing is, is how can we think about low capital intensive approaches to make maybe a larger variety of crops available or something like that, or, or even work at a state level with some of our ag development, Kentucky Office of Ag Policy and other people to think about targeting funds and pools of availability, or if those funds are available, maybe better uh, advertising them out to people to make sure they're aware of low of low rate interest, low interest rate loans and or grants. But yeah, I don't know, Josh, did you have anything that like the as far as future programming your your creative, a creative type? Uh, any like, <laughs> I mean, uh, it definitely kind of like what you touched on about letting this kind of be a guide or some of these responses, letting letting them guide how where to prioritize uh, programming, you know, to see that, oh, well, a large portion of the population uh, or people who are interested in engaging in horticultural production, uh, here are some crops that fit with them, like, say, cauliflower or broccoli or something like that, to understand that those are, uh, we, we should make sure that those resources are kept updated. And to let that just kind of guide how we direct our, so we can reach, you know, the most amount of people kind of where they're at, um, rather than getting, you know, too into certain like niche guides or something. And uh, it definitely, like for, for a 
specific example is, you know, if somebody's going to get into fruit tree production, if land access isn't really what the limiting factor is, is it as important to go into kind of like highly technical kind of trellised dwarf systems or is standard more appropriate? Those kind of things. But I think we're just in our early stages of kind of letting this feedback kind of come in our direction and think about how we can structure programming. Well, huge shout out to you, Josh, for doing a lot of a lot of the work to make the information useful. Uh, this is happening to me over and over again, where I we, we start things and don't really realize the full potential. And you've definitely made it some into something that's much more strategically informative. So big, big shout out to, to fellow bald boy, Josh. <laughs> Thanks. I just like spreadsheets. It's a big spreadsheet. I like what a, and what a nerd. <laughs> Man, the, some of the maps that you did in that r- report. Oh, maybe we could just plug real quick. There will be uh, a couple of publications yeah. with some of these data coming out in the in this this spring. Um, so you can yes. take a look and just kind of see. It's, it's really interesting stuff. I think um, it, it helps you to contextualize. And I, we can put in some, some, I think, add in some of the stuff we've talked about today, specifically saying like, maybe even including what, what types of crops are recommended for each of the categories. So you don't mm-hmm. have to just go through and get your answer. You can see the the cheat sheet for all of them. But um, yeah, I do have that cheat sheet in front of me, but it's not, it, yeah, it'd be a good addition to the publication. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Well, I don't cool, have anything cool. else. I think that was, I, lots I, of good yeah, information I'm, guys. I'm excited I love about these tools. This, uh, this tool. It's just fun to play with. Sometimes I'm just like, I wonder what I get today. <laughs> <laughs> As agents, it's a it's really a good support mechanism. You know, not it's only like, the the entire CCD site, the crop diversification site, and all the many resources, but specifically tools like this as we work with newer producers or producers that are undertaking new enterprises. We hope it's, it's just stuff, the beginning. Guys. We hope it's just the beginning. Mm-hmm. All right, everyone. Well, we will. Uh, close out here if you've got any questions thoughts future episode ideas you want to tell us how awesome we are uh you can leave us a review for one if you want to tell us how awesome you are that would be great helps other people find us if you want i have ideas have questions we've got some people will be like hey i need to plant my onions is that is it a good time of year to do that you know we've gotten those emails that's perfectly fine uh you can shoot us one at hort culture podcast at l.uky.edu you can also follow along with us uh, shoot us a message whatever uh, you prefer on uh, instagram hort culture podcast is our handle on there and so we'd love to hear from you guys and we appreciate uh, you being here with us today and we hope that as we grow this podcast you will grow with us and we hope you'll join us next week have a good one